guys? Welcome back to another episode of Arsenio's ESL Podcast, and welcome to an international guest speaking feature. Man, I got my man Dennis Murphy over here from Ireland. You know what? He's going to share you some pretty amazing tips, concepts, and other things in terms of language learning, but you know what? I don't want to fully give the introduction. I would love for him to give the introduction. So, Dennis, man, thanks so much for coming on. Thanks, thanks for being, thanks for having me, Arsenio. It's great to be on the show. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, me, of course, you and I, we connected through Luke, and now you are here because, again, you're in the same realm of what I'm trying to do in terms of creating English mm-hmm. courses and so many other things. So I'm just so compelled by what you got going on. So I want you to lay the foundation, man. Tell us who you are. Tell us what's going on. Yeah, so like you said, my name is Dennis Murphy. I'm from Ireland originally. I'm a, a, what do you call a language hacker? So I hack languages, make them more fun. I really focus on the communication and the speaking aspect of a language. Um, I guess I've got the hindsight of I've gone through the traditional degree for French and then a master's in translation. And I've during that process, I found that there were certain ways where you could learn a language where it would become more fun and you could accelerate your learning. So I learned Spanish and Italian in a completely different way when I came when I came across language hacking and speaking a language quicker. Uh, that's just a brief kind of introduction to my background. Awesome, awesome. You know what? It's funny because, again, me being from America, my mother being bilingual, you know, she's Puerto Rican, born and raised in Neptune, but my grandmother is from San Juan, Puerto Rico. And, you know, um, she never taught me Spanish. You know, two languages weren't spoken in the in the household and whatnot. So, of course, it was like junior year of senior year. I started taking Spanish uh, what is it, Spanish classes, but again, we were studying it rather than learning it. So mm-hmm. when you were in grade school, did you study Did you study French while you were in grade school before you went to, of course, university and whatnot? Yeah, I studied French from the age of 13 to about wow. 18, and then I studied at university from 18 to about 22, and then around 22, I started learning Spanish and Italian. Uh I guess in that time, I always had this idea that it takes years to learn a language. But when I started learning Spanish and Italian, I started flipping it. I started saying, well, how can I accelerate my learning? I started coming across material which helped me to understand how I could accelerate it. So it was really about speaking from day one, changing my relationship with feedback up until I started looking at my feedback when it came to my mistakes and communicating. Mm-hmm. I found I was very rigid because I was very much in the mindset of like passing an exam, getting everything right. And it didn't feel good. So when it came to Spanish and Italian, I thought back to how did I learn English as a baby? Mm-hmm. So like I was more practical in my approach. I was more feedback was neutral. It was just I was learning words and getting feedback from the environment to improve my pronunciation, improve my effectiveness with communication. So when I started shifting to that mindset, it opened up the doors to learn Spanish and Italian in a different way. So I started looking at what words do I speak about? What words do I use on a day-to-day basis? What verb tenses would I need to know? Mm-hmm. And so French gave me the hindsight of like, when I learned French, I was like, what verb tenses do I need to know on a day-to-day basis to communicate effectively? Wow. I realized it was a present tense, the past tense, the imperfect tense, the future tense. If my goal was communication, they were the four key tenses. So that's how I came about Spanish and Italian. It was to learn those key tenses as well and break them down into like the most frequently used verbs. So word usage frequency was a big concept that uh, opened my mind to practically speaking a language and getting to conversational fluency a lot quicker than I thought was possible. 
Man, that is amazing. You know, I never really thought about it from that perspective because, again, what words, that's what, you know, when I came here to Thailand, I'm like, okay, what words do I absolutely need? But the thing is, Thai does not have tenses. It has one tense. So, basically, <clears throat> yesterday you would say, I went. Today, uh, it could be present continuous, I'm going. You know, future, I will go. I'm going to go. Uh, I I have gone. You, you know, there's a lot of tenses, but in Thai... It's always the word go, which is by, and by moan, that means I went yesterday. Today, by by one and you know, pruni is tomorrow, so by pruni, you know, and I'm like, so this is why it's so difficult for Thai people to learn a language because they're so accustomed to knowing just one tense. So it's very hard for them to get in their head, you know. Hey, you know, I need to revert back to different tenses because then people will get confused. So, um, that is cool. Yeah, I thought I, I it's that just, is interesting. It, really, really interesting. What about okay? Now, what about French? And what were some of the key things that you learned at the beginning uh, when you started learning the language? What did you find to be very pivotal? Uh, again, you started studying at the age of thirteen. Um, mm. but what did you think, you know, what, what are the essentials that a language learner should learn going into whatever culture, whatever language it is right off the back? Well, when it came to French and the Romance languages, there are Italian, Spanish, yeah. Portuguese are all within the same family. Yeah. Mm. I generally start off with like looking at the verbs you need to know. Like to be, to have, to want these kind of practical verbs that you are going to use when you go to the country. Yeah. And then within those verb, verbs, break it down into what verb tenses you need to know. So for me, there I started by learning the present tense. And I use the present tense to describe the past and the future. It was just to get me started. So when I got comfortable with that, I was like, okay, let's move on to the past tense. Let's start describing that more accurately. The mindset shift there for me, which was challenging, was this idea of perfection. So I had to let go of perfection. Sacrifice perfection for practice because I knew the practice would build up the muscle memory and build up momentum to get speaking in the language, get communicating, and getting over myself that I'm going to make mistakes. So it was kind of it was that mindset shift that was invaluable there. And then when it comes to like just like practically using words and phrases that you'll use in the country, like I would like when you go to a shop, you're going to use that, or you go to a restaurant, I would like. Uh, these types of like practical stuff. So I found that like when I was thinking in these terms, I was Googling stuff like what are the 100 most common words in French. I even started Googling stuff like um, lists where it was like exactly the same word in French and English, plus with a different pronunciation. So that for me was like, that builds up my vocabulary without any effort. So it was these little hacks that it was like practical stuff combined with like loan words from the language and then narrowing down the verb tenses and narrowing down what I speak about. So the way I approach languages is like, I see it as like general communication and then I'll have one or two subjects where I talk about a lot. So at the time I was talking about soccer quite a bit. So soccer would have been that one subject that I needed to learn words around. And when it came to like practicing pronunciation and assimilating like how it's spoken properly, I dove straight into like watching interviews of soccer players on YouTube, very short snippets of like two to three minutes. So it wasn't too long because when I was starting off, I understood nothing. So it was all about like getting comfortable understanding nothing. So I found when I was doing that, I got, I, I looked more towards the meaning rather than the specific words. I found with French, the better I got, the more I was looking at the meaning to the conversation rather than specific words. Because as long as I was looking at the words, 
whenever I'd miss a word, I'd be thrown off and it would, it would, a trail of thinking would, would be kind of gone in those moments and I'd be up in my head. But when I started looking at the meaning, it was more of a flow of the conversation, like in my natural language. So there are some of the key things that uh, helped shift my mindset and the questions I was asking myself. So the questions as well, I was less inclined to beat myself up when I wasn't focused on perfection. Mm-hmm. So like it was more of a growth mindset. So it was more when I was going into the interaction, I didn't go according to how I wanted it to go or I was a bit lost. I'd ask myself more questions like, what can I learn from this? How can I do something better next time rather than before? It would have been, oh, I'm not good enough. And doubts and stuff would creep into my mind a lot more. And I wasn't approaching it as like a communication tool. Wow. Yeah. You know what? That perfection, man, right off the back, um, that that's what kills a lot of you know language learners in general because they they try so hard. Man, I've been made fun of at places for pronouncing something that they ultimately end up pronouncing right before my very eyes, and they would make a mockery of me. But for a lot of people, mm-hmm. and especially a lot of my students that I see out here, they take that offense. And they say, you know what, man? Yeah. She doesn't understand me. He doesn't understand me. She doesn't understand me. I'm not speaking English anymore. It, have you ever had that problem uh, with French, uh, Italian, or Spanish? Yeah, like I've definitely had it with French, and it would stick out. And I, I started to realize that the more I could make light heart of that, or the more I could like take it on board as not something personal, the better I'd retain that word because it was sticking in my mind. Before that, when I was like really self conscious about it, I'd have, I'd have a tendency to block it out, and I wouldn't learn anything from the situation. So I started realizing that the more I could kind of accept this as part of the process, and that I could take feedback on and improve my pronunciation. Like you are going to come across people who are just kind of criticize for the sake of it but kind of just take on board it's like that's a part of life in all walks of life you're going to meet people like that and it's just as much as you can to focus on the positives because we are hard words to focus on the negatives so we're using that knowledge just just realize that it's your hard wearing your brain that's focusing on the negatives just to shift your focus back to like what can i learn from the situation and the more you can do that the more you get what you want you get better results in languages you're around more people that are vibing with you instead of focusing on what you don't want so it was like focus is a huge thing in languages and life in general so like you know the rest area of the brain you're probably familiar about this so the more you focus on something the more it expands and it's the same thing with languages so like when you're learning a new word the tendency like i can remember when i was learning french i wasn't aware of the rest area of the brain and then i'd learn a new word no matter how kind of complex it sounded i'd notice it like a day or a week later and i'd be like where was that word all along yeah. because it was just part of my brain I wasn't aware of it and uh, when I started realizing that it was like okay there's a huge power to what I'm focusing on when it's coming to when it comes to learning the language when it comes to communication when it comes to being around people I want to be around wow dang you know um again the learning process and that's what a lot of people need to get across um and they need to get engraved in their heads because again I had to learn a lot of different things and you know what word of association so when it came to vocabulary and learning different fo- uh, vocabulary, like, uh, you know, with Spanish, I still know, I know the basics. Why? Because I kind of associate a picture along with the vocabulary term. So, yo como, mm-hmm. right? That means I eat, right? And pollo, mm-hmm. I remember pollo because there was a restaurant in Las Vegas called El Pollo Loco, meaning the crazy chicken. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, associating different things with words can help in memorizing specific words like even emotional words 
Like, some of my students would say some bad words to me. You know what I mean? Like, I used to teach at technical colleges. They would cuss me out. But you know what? I retained those words real quickly. <laughs> you know? So, what, what, did you, what, did, what did you do? Um, Like, it, what, okay, out of French, Italian, and Spanish... Which one was the most difficult to memorize vocabulary, and what did you do to memorize vocabulary? I don't know. What, what I did do was I used Anki. You know Anki, that flashcard system? It's just like a flashcard system. So when I was approaching learning Spanish and Italian, I was working off the premise that if I get to about 2,500, 3,000 of the right words for me, then I'd be able to get the conversation of fluency. Like be able to speak freely because that was an article I read about, and what I did then was like I was like, okay, how many words per week did that mean? So I think at the time it was like maybe fifty or sixty words per week, and then I break that down into like nouns, adjectives, adverbs, and I just use Anki. I didn't really use. I know what you're on about there, the association when you associate an image to a word. Yep. I don't think I used that as much. What I did do was for the flashcard system because I found that that was very monotonous and quite boring. I listened to music. It wasn't very cognitively demanding, so my mind would associate the flashcard time as time that I listened to music. So it was something I look forward to every day, rather than something I was like, "Oh, here we go again. We're just memorizing words, and it's, it's killing me." Right. Uh, that was my approach to Spanish and Italian. With French, I found it was more random because I was going through the education system, and I always felt the assumption was that you have to learn everything to become a speaker of the language. Right. And yeah, so with with that, it was like a lot of random stuff. But I learned from that. So I was like looking back and I was looking at French and I was like, okay, I was learning a lot of random lists. So instead of like the approach being let's learn all the animals in the list, I was like, what animals do people normally have? Cat and dog. Boom. That's it. Move on to the next thing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. So it was that type of stuff that helped me. Wow. Okay. Okay. Um, you know You know what, what I find? And again, it comes yeah, – our... go ahead. Again, it comes back to the association. It's like when you meet that person who's got a hamster, then you're more inclined to remember the name for hamster because you see a hamster in context rather than seeing a picture in a book. Extremely important. I hope everyone understands that. Mm. I'll definitely make that into a micro clip uh, because, boy, it doesn't get any better than that. I wish I would have taken – you know what? Hold on real quick. Let me write that down. It's funny because I'm actually doing a live podcast at the same time. 14-minute mark. Okay, I need to write down the gems, you know, and I thought I was supposed to do it from the beginning, but I didn't. I completely blew it. Who cares? 14 minutes. Uh, so Okay, gotcha. All right. <sighs> All right, here we go. Born in Ireland. What is mm-hmm. what is the language out there in Ireland aside from English? I forgot. What is it Gaelic, if I'm not mistaken? Or am I completely wrong? I'm completely yeah. Well, you can you can just say you can say Irish as well. No, Gaelic is is the, the kind of Irish term for it. Okay. okay. Uh, but Irish, like you could say Irish. So Irish, like we're not we're not growing up around like like generally maybe in small locations in Ireland where there's Irish speakers there, you might be immersed in it. But it's not an immersion process. You actually up until the age of about six or seven, you you until you go to school, you, you're not familiar with Irish. And then when you go there, it's taught as a subject. There's no real practical element to it. So it's very much like subject-based. So my level of Irish isn't that great because it was never something that was practical for me. It was the same thing with French. Until I went to France and I started communicating with French people, I knew a lot of words. I was passing tests and stuff, but I couldn't to somebody because I didn't have that muscle memory or that practice or repetition to do that. Okay. So, um, 
Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. So then you ended up, of course, going with, um, okay. So you knew, damn, so you know about five languages then, but you know what? You went to France, you engraved yourself in French so much. And I remember telling you before that it was very hard for me to pick up the speed of the native English, you know, American speakers when I actually went back to America two years ago. Because I was away for four years. So when I actually went there, I was like, okay. oh my god, how am I going to, you know, get back up to speed and whatnot? But you know what? You know in so many languages, how are you able to switch? Switch on and switch off? Because I had a friend, again, uh, she's Vietnamese and whatnot. And there are some times I speak Thai to her. And she's like, oh, I don't understand much time. I'm like, I know. I'm so sorry. It's a terrible <clears throat> habit. You know what I mean? So how are you able to switch on and switch off? Because, yeah. damn, that's tough. That's real tough. I find the most difficult between Spanish and Italian. I found with French, because I spent so long studying it, and I spent nearly two years living in French countries, mm-hmm. that French seems okay to me. But with Spanish and Italian, I often mix up words. And yeah. so at the start, that was my one reservation, because I learned Spanish and Italian together at the same time. I just wanted to challenge myself, and I wanted to, like, those people saying you can't do that, so I was like, I'll just try and find out whether it's possible. I did realize that the downside of that is that you will mix up words, but the upside is the same thing, is that you do mix up words, but at least you've got a word. Like, for me, with the Spanish and Italian, it's like, if, I, if I'm speaking Italian and I'll use the odd Spanish word, at least I've said some sort of word, so I'll get some feedback, but if I've got no word to say, you've got a mental block. So I, I kind of try to look at it that way. So when it comes to switching between the languages, I struggle a bit with Spanish and Italian. French is okay, because uh, I've spent so long learning it. I do find I will be rusty when I go back to speaking Spanish. Like today, now I'm going to a language exchange this evening. Oh, and okay. I do find, again, it's like the mindset part of things, that if if I was kind of caught up myself doubts and unworthiness, it'd be a lot more difficult for me to go to random language exchanges because I wouldn't want to put myself out there. So like this evening going there again, it's like I haven't spoken Spanish in a while, so I'll be a bit rusty. But the more I speak and the more I'm less afraid of that, it just makes language learning a lot better. Because otherwise, I, I see I, I feel that a lot of people, they could learn a language and it gets rusty and they never put themselves out there again because they realize it's going to be difficult putting themselves out there again a second time to speak. Uh, that makes sense to you. Okay, and you never had that uh, self-confidence taken away at any given moment? Like, did you ever want to just give up on yourself, uh, or you, you just knew that it was just part of the entire process? There's definitely, like, self-doubts around it, like, especially around the Spanish and Italian, because I didn't learn them the conventional way. Right. Even though, like, I went back and I got qualifications in both of them. But um, because I didn't learn them the conventional way, there was always a seed of doubt there that, like, I wasn't as good as, as I was making out or this kind of stuff. Um. So that can like play on your mind a bit, mm. but no, I don't know. I, I I guess language has taught me to focus on the process because I, I I don't know. I think I wanted to learn French because I always thought it was a cool thing to be able to speak a language, and I could never understand how that was going to be possible for me. But I I was willing to persevere and do it. So, and I suppose now as I've, as I've moved forward further, it's a lot easier now to just focus on the process and focus on your personal growth when it comes to a language, mm. rather than it being a subject. Right. So it's that mindset shift from subject to communication tool that was key because once it's a communication tool, it's not it's no longer like a measure of your intellect and how smart you are. It's more about like how are you communicating with other people? Are you empathetic? And that type of thing. It comes more to people skills and 
so it's less about like smartness and stuff so okay. yeah that's a wow. yeah so there was definitely like moments where I was doubting myself but because I wanted to learn French it didn't really come into the equation that I would quit especially when I started meeting French people and started making friends that was key right okay okay so you would yeah that would be one of the most uh key key components of any type of language learning and i'm going to tell and emphasize that because when i first came to thailand i was surrounded by two foreigners for like five months i wasn't immersing myself into the thai culture i wasn't trying to learn thai words i wasn't trying google translate it wasn't up yet i was using an application on my ipad at the time and i wasn't learning although i should have been learning because it was very, very difficult for me to live in Thailand not knowing even some of the basic words, you know. So um, a lot of people – I do encourage a lot of you out there. I know a lot of Thai students or whatever students you are, do not look for the same – if you are Irish or you're this or you're that and you go to another country to study a language, stay away from your people Please, I know you. You feel like, oh yeah, but we, you know, we understand each other, and we do this, and we do that. I understand, but listen, the only way you're going to learn a different concept and a different life in general is by learning from the people who, of course, live there in that country. So a lot of my Thai students, they go to Thailand, and of course, they hurry up and go to, you know, they find a Thai restaurant. They find Thai people. They meet Thai friends. They end up speaking Thai the majority of the time out there in Australia, which defeats the purpose of, of course, going to Australia. So what did you do? When you went to France, you said French only. Did you? When you went to Spain, you were like, okay, Spanish only. How did you, how did you discipline yourself like that before we get into the last question? The, the first time I went to France, I was a Erasmus student. I was 18. I didn't that. I actually hung around with a lot of English people. Um, it wasn't, uh, I didn't discipline myself then. But in saying that, though, I do think there's something to be said to be just around the culture, like watching TV. I think subliminally you do take stuff in. So my level did actually improve when I came back, but I didn't put a lot of conscious effort. It could have gotten a lot better if I put more effort in. Hmm. The second time I went back to France, I was actually an English teaching assistant in the middle of nowhere in the countryside. Nobody spoke uh, English. Except the English teacher, that was about it. So it forced me for the whole year to speak French every day. There you go. So um, that was good. That's when I got really good at French. And uh, that's when I started questioning fluency because I was getting more towards an advanced level. Mm. And then I started, was like, I was wondering, like, what is fluency? Because I've been chasing this kind of unconsciously my whole life. Mm. Like when it, was, when it came to language learning, I was like, what the hell is fluency then? And I started to realize, well, do I know every word in English? And I was like, I don't know. And uh, if I didn't, if I wasn't learning new words in English, it was just a sign that I wasn't learning anything. Right. So anyway, when, when I started thinking about it in those terms, I was like, okay, so fluency for me then in French is just to always be kind of speaking in French, mm. but not having to know every word. So if I don't know a word, I can ask the question in French, they can explain it in French and I understand. That for me is like the fluency level. Up until I questioned that, I was always kind of like just operating from the premise of one day I'll know every word. And that didn't make any sense logically until I slowed down and kind of go, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> so that took a burden off again. So, uh, yeah, so the discipline. For, so for me, there, there was, it was kind of like I went to, I went there. There was no disciplining myself because it was immersion. It was in the middle of nowhere. Awesome. Nobody spoke English really there. So I had to really go out of my way to try and find English speakers if I wanted to. So uh, yeah. There you go. So, I love that. <laughs> that was it. Okay. Okay. All right. So here we go. Last question. I'm gonna let you go, man. 
what are three things that all of these English learners, you know, I've been looking at uh, my podcast and I got a lot of people out there in Andalusia, in Sevilla, uh, out there in Spain who are listening to me. I got my wonderful folks out there in Mexico City. I got my folks out there in Sao Paulo, my folks out there in Kagoma, in Tokyo, so many different places, right? And I'm just fascinated mm-hmm. that they're, we're just so interconnected with each other, you know, from Finland to Portugal to you name it. Um, as you, as a, you know, as a person who speaks, what, four plus languages, okay, I don't know the, ta- the, the you know, the real number, but I think it's about four to five, okay, and I could be wrong, <laughs> it could be about six, but as a person who is very linguistically sound, what are three things that, that, that you could tell us or tell the learners out there right now that could provide value in terms of learning English or confidence speaking, whatever you, of course, that value that you want to provide? What are three things that you would give them? I think the first thing is to be very clear on what your goal is. So for a long time with French, I wasn't very clear on like what the overall goal was. My goal was like just to learn French. But if we're learning a language now, I'd say my goal is to communicate. Right. And would be specifically what I'm talking about, like what's the purpose? It's either for a job or it's for some sort of pleasure. Or get specific on the areas you want to learn vocabulary in. Uh, the second thing is to be kind to yourself. Yeah. Sounds a bit kind of funny, but for me, it's like it takes the pressure off. And when the pressure is off, you, you can speak more with a flow and you're just enjoying the process more and you're going to learn it better as much if your mind is associating language learning as fun, you're going to do it more. And the more you do it, the more you're going to get better. It's a simple equation. Absolutely. And, and then the third thing would be to focus, like if, you're, if your goal is to speak, focus on things practically. Mm. So like, and always err in a side of simplicity. So like for me with Spanish and Italian, I look for the most simple way of doing something, of saying something. I cut out all the synonyms to start with. I was like, just 10 ways of saying something. I just want to know that one word to say it. And then as my level advances, naturally I'll be learning the synonyms in conversation. So that would be the the key thing as well. Like simplicity is key with speaking and that's how you're going to build momentum. All right, man. Awesome. Dennis, man, thank you so much for tuning in. Dennis, if anyone's interested, again, and very brief, uh, talk about your Udemy course, and if anyone, of course, wants to ask you any questions, uh, how can they get in contact with you? Yeah, so I just published my course there last month, Mindset Hacks for Language Learners. So it's very much focused on the questions you're asking yourself. I'll talk a little bit about word usage frequency, like we're talking about in the call here. And yeah, it's like, it's talk a little bit, bit about emotions and how to deal with uncomfortable emotions that can come up when you're speaking to somebody new in a new language. How do you some exercises to show you how to deal with that. So yeah, it's very much focused on asking better questions, getting in more practice time and making the language more fun, sharing ideas and concepts in the course. And if people want to get in contact with me, I think the best way is to go to Facebook, search for the happy mindset and join the group there. So the happy mindset is about the power of language, power of our mindset and personal development. Awesome. Awesome. Guys, there you go, man. Dive into this man's world. Of course, him and I, we're going to be doing extensive talks to see how we could be of value with each other in terms of putting more things out there that possibly could help everyone and help people who are going to be learning languages and just becoming, you know, thinking more futuristically rather than just remaining current and whatnot. But man, that was fantastic. Thank you so much again, Dennis, for tuning in. 
uh, for coming on to my podcast and speaking about some things and giving people some good hacks in terms of their language learning. And guys, do not fear. Do not be afraid to, of course, tune into this man's channel and whatnot. Uh, and again, Dennis, man, thanks so much for tuning in. Thanks very much, Arsenio. Thanks. Uh, really impressed by the work you're doing with languages. And uh, yeah, thanks for having me on. Cheers. I appreciate that, Dennis. And guys, with that being said, man, if you guys like this episode, that means you need to share it. If you shared it, that means you liked it. That means you get a resounding thank you from me. So, again, stay tuned for more. I'm your host, Arsenio, as usual, over and out.